0: Hello and welcome, Cryptique fans, to another episode of your favorite show on the paranormal, hidden history, and forbidden knowledge. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star review. Please tell all of your friends about the show as word of mouth goes a long way. Tonight, we discuss one of the greatest warriors in history, Tomoe Gozen, the Beautiful Samurai. This is the story of The Beautiful Samurai. The samurai lived to serve, slay, and die bravely. In the 12th century, a devastating civil war rips the island nation of Japan in two. It would pit son against father, friend against friend, family against family, and clan against clan. Armor splattered with blood fields scattered with corpses as far as the eye could see. One samurai stood head and shoulders above the rest. This warrior was the first in line to do battle and carried the worth of a thousand men into the killing fields. Twelfth century Japan, home to some of the fiercest warriors ever, the samurai. Two armies of swordsmen would face off for control of the land of the rising sun, the Minamoto clan would face off with the Taira. The Taira want the status quo, but the Minamoto demand change. Summer, 1183 A.D., the clans will face off in battle in Shinohara. The samurai considered themselves to be honorable warriors, and there were strict rules in these wars. First, a warrior from each side would prepare for a duel to the death. The champion of the terrible Taira army would face off against a young upstart Minamoto samurai named Tomoe. They would state their name and share their heritage and present a list of all the people they had killed in battle. The brazen Taira samurai was overconfident that he would become victorious, but it is not to be. He is slain with a Naginata strike across his throat and can't believe his eyes as blood flows from the wound. Tomoe Gozen, the victor, was Onomusha, a beautiful female warrior. She takes his head as a reminder to those who would do battle with her in the future. She is now a legend, the greatest female warrior in Japan. The legend says she was ready to defeat a god or a demon at any moment hello friends and enemies this is Jay I hope you're enjoying this episode of Cryptique. if true crime is a passion of yours like it is mine you should check out my other podcast exploring evil I cover some of the lesser known serial killers as well as murderers with a paranormal twist I've covered the cannibal rapper and a murderous shaman as well as a man who claimed he was the gatekeeper to hell So take Exploring Evil for a test drive on Google, Apple, Spotify, and of course, Anchor Podcast. Hey, my name is Ryan. And I'm pretty sure I'm Joe. And we are the hosts of Movie Hell, a podcast all about movies and pop culture. We're two buddies who talk about this stuff anyway and wanted to share our own madness with all of you. Yeah, we have these discussions anyway and rant and rave about movies, TV, and pop culture in general, so why not share it? The objective of MovieHowl is to bring you reviews and discussions of flops to avoid, new stuff to see, and hidden gems that might end up being your new favorite. Whether you're looking for that perfect movie for Friday night or wondering if anybody else found Mr. Nobody as unsettling as you did, I'm sure there's something for everyone to enjoy, and if not, let us know and we can always learn and improve. Ah boy, do we have room to improve. You can listen to MovieHowl on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and pretty much anywhere else fine podcasts are curated now back to cryptique she was born in 1157 in japan's central mountainous region to nakahara no Keneto and shizuru goen who was her mother and whose name she took her father was also a samurai in the minimoto clan and her mother was the wet nurse for the orphan son of their wealthy lord the boy was minimoto yoshinaka who was heir to the castle where both families resided. Yoshinaka was trained to be a samurai in the art of war, serve, slaughter, and die well. Samurai training began around six years old and they would be trained with swords, bow and arrows, horses, and other weapons of war. Tomoe would also receive samurai training and while women weren't generally sent to war, they were expected to protect the village and live with honor. However, Tomoe proved to be a brilliant martial artist, and Yoshinaka was impressed enough to want to buck tradition and make her a battlefield warrior. She was able to challenge history and became one of his greatest assets. Women were considered less than men and were never the center of the civilization. They were second-class citizens. They were there to serve men. At 21, Tomoe was appointed by Yoshinaka as an officer in his army of samurai, a female commander over the other male samurai. Yoshinaka was 24 with a wife, a child, and several other relationships, but no one could match his feelings for Tomoe. They were lovers. Tomoe in turn was devoted only to Yoshinaka. They would soon wage war over the most valuable commodity in Japan, farmland. Only 15% of Japan's land was able to be farmed, making it invaluable. Over the course of 300 years, the samurai warrior class won the battle for the land, but the law bans them from owning it. Only nobility can claim ownership. Again, going against the grain, Yoshinaka demands change so his warriors can own their own land. A powerful call to arms. Yoshinaka said if you fight for me, you will have land to call your own. But though Yoshinaka was a powerful warlord, he was not the ruler of the Minamoto clan. Lord Yoritomo was the true commander. His enemies, the Taira, controlled the western part of the island nation and were considered to be the real rulers of Japan as they had seized control of Kyoto, the then capital of the country. They put an emperor on the throne that was nothing more than a figurehead that served the Taira. The Minamoto were in danger of being cut off from any real power based on this arrangement. In 1180, the Minamoto would wage war to regain control of the capital of Kyoto. This battle would put Tomoe to the test as they would square off at the Kurikara Pass. Tomoe leads a raid into the center of the Taira force to test their true power. As she leads the daring assault into the belly of the beast, Yoshinaka delivers step 2 of a brilliant plan. He sends a herd of cattle to stampede into the rest of the Taira army which drives them into the ravine at Kurikara Pass. Yoshinaka sends his smaller army to block all the passes out of the ravine by stacking up with flags and making a huge commotion to make it seem like his army is much bigger than it really is. The deception works, and the Taira are trapped over the ravine. The cattle had torches tied to them, and the Taira were confused and ended up going one after another over the side of the cliff. It was a great victory for Yoshinaka, but it was just one battle in a great war. Though some would consider this less than honorable, lies, spies, and deception were commonplace in the Samurai Wars. Tomoe's weapon of choice flies in the face of Samurai tradition, the Naginata. A spear-like weapon with a foot-long blade on the end of a six-foot staff. A deadly choice for stabbing and slashing. The weapon uses sweeping motions to clear the opponent's sword and then strike the femoral artery or jugular vein. But now another tyra force is set into motion to destroy the Minamoto army. Tomoe and Yoshinaka march with their forces to the Japanese capital of Kyoto, but a large Taira army is waiting for them. They will have to rely on skill and tactics to make it through the Taira this time, but Tomoe leads her samurai to yet another unlikely victory over the massive Taira army. Next stop, Kyoto. Yoshinaka orders Tomoe to attack the capital, but Yorimoto has ordered that only he can be the first to overtake Kyoto. But Yoshinaka proceeds in spite of orders. Tomoe's samurai enter Kyoto and wreak havoc taking over, one street at a time. The Taira nobles turn tail and run to their own estates, leaving the city to the Minamoto led by Tomoe and Yoshinaka. Yoshinaka orders Tomoe to take prisoner, the rulers of the government of Kyoto, so he can make good on his promise to give land to his warriors. They kill anyone who defies them. They decorate the city with impaled heads on poles, to make an example. Yoshinaka then appoints himself as shogun and dictator of Japan. He issues his warriors land rights, but Yorimoto is, of course, furious. The Minimoto samurai must get together and decide who will be their leader. Unfortunately, for Yoshinaka and Tomoe, they choose Lord Yorimoto, which is essentially a death sentence for Yoshinaka and Tomoe. Yorimoto's forces storm the city and attempt to hunt down Yoshinaka and Tomoe, who must flee Kyoto. But as Tomoe prepares to fight her way out, Yoshinaka has betrayed her love with a 16-year-old girl. Outside the castle, Tomoe is in battle with the Yorimoto's men, but she can't fight them off forever. She sends a bodyguard in to hurry him up, but he can't command his lord to do anything, so he shows the gravity of the situation in true samurai fashion. He commits seppuku, or harikiri as we know it in the West. It's ritualistic suicide to show the self-appointed shogun that the time to flee is now. Yoshinaka jumps into action, dons his armor, and leaves his young lover to find Tomoe whom he escapes with. But they walk right into an ambush. Their bodyguards sacrifice themselves to protect Yoshinaka and Tomoe. Yoshinaka makes the strange decision then to send Tomoe off so he isn't dishonored by dying before a woman. He says it's honorable for him to die a man's death alone and not fighting alongside a woman. Tomoe wants to stay and die beside him, but he demands that she escapes and lives. But is it truly dishonor, or does he want her to live because he loves her? Or because he wants her to live and tell his story? She's heartbroken, but she must be obedient. Now Yoshinaka will commit seppuku so no one will be able to claim his head. But he gets hit with an arrow before he can do so. And is officially killed in battle. The archer takes Yoshinaka's head to claim his glory. Now, all alone, Tomoe will face her greatest rival yet. The greatest swordsman in Japan has staked his honor on killing her. Awazu Japan. The greatest female samurai in history must pay her dues alone. Everyone she knows and loves is dead. She seeks revenge on Yoshinaka's killers. Led by Honda no Morishige. a group of her former allies encounter her in Owazu. She will battle till death with Morishigi. They display their skills as is tradition. They then present a list of previous kills followed by threats and insults. Then the death match and Tomoe has nothing to lose. Morishigi's skills quickly overpower Tomoe, he's too skilled. She falls back showing weakness and acting as if she's given up. And when he moves in for the kill, she swiftly strikes and delivers the death blow. She grabs his head, filled with rage, and slices it off. She tosses it at the feet of his allies and then disappears into the forest. There is no record of exactly how she gets away, only that she does. She buries her beloved blade and armor and disguises herself as a peasant as she passes unnoticed by her samurai enemies. Her fate remains a mystery, but brings her story to the world, and most accounts say she died as a nun living well into her 90s. Ironically, samurai warriors are now granted landowner rights. In 1192, Yorimoto becomes shogun of all Japan. Tomoe will always be remembered as one of history's greatest warriors. Thanks for checking out the story of the beautiful samurai on Cryptique. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single show. And tell your friends about Cryptique. You can email comments and case suggestions to cryptiquepodcast at gmail.com. That's C-R-Y... P-T-I-Q-U-E podcast at gmail.com